Today on the Zabecast, old and busted, Kirk Cousins is an elite, so let's not pay him. New and fresh. Hey, look at all these scrub quarterbacks. Why don't we get one of those? Make up your mind, never Kirkers. Drew Olson from the Big 920 in Milwaukee joins us to explain why fake tough guy Chris Paul earns his FTG of the week. All that, and finally, a woman speaks out on just how out of control the hashtag MeToo movement has become. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up, and let's go! Tuesday, January 16th, 2018. And thank you, thank you for listening to the Zabecast. I am Steve Zabin. I am here to humbly say that I have made a mistake. Yes, like Arthur Fonzarelli, a mistake. The mistake is, I said last week that I thought the Minnesota Vikings are, without a doubt, the most star-crossed, cursed, snake-bit, horribly bad episode dealing, whatever you want to say, just the most cursed NFL franchise of all time. I went through the long list of Viking calamities. And after I did that, you listeners out there, God bless you, at least a couple, and I'm going to read their emails right now, said, oh yeah, Vikings, huh? Most snake bit, cursed franchise. Hold my beer. This one from Eric Kaiser, Kansas City Chiefs fan. Zabe, I wanted to give you my vote for the most cursed NFL franchise, and I don't think it's even close. It's my Chiefs. Yes, we won a Super Bowl in 1969. Only Detroit, though, Cleveland and the Jets have had a longer drought than us. In the 1970s and 80s, our combined record is 126 and 163. That's 435. Utter mediocrity. In 1973, we had the Christmas Day double overtime loss to Miami at home, the longest playoff game ever. In 1981, we had AFC Rookie of the Year running back Joe Delaney drown while trying to save three kids in Monroe, Louisiana. In 1983, we drafted Todd Blackledge. Yeah. You've seen the 30 for 30. In the 1990s, we had the third best record in the league, 102 and 58, 637 win percentage. We were only behind the Niners and the Bills. And what do we do with that record? We went to one AFC championship game and promptly lost it. In 2000, he says, Derek Thomas had his accident sliding off a snow-covered road while going as a fan to a Chief playoff game, not wearing a seatbelt. Most beloved Kansas City athlete since George Brett. 2009 to 2012, the Pioli era. An era of suspicion and lies and guys getting microphone, you know, surveillance inside the building. It produced a 359 win percentage and literally the chant of fire Pioli, check, 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 check. And banners flying around over Arrowhead. 2012, Javon Belcher, murder. Suicide. One of the most shocking incidents, an absolutely horrifying incident that ended at the Chiefs practice facility in front of Pioli and then head coach Romeo Cornell. That is pretty bad. But wait, he's not done yet. Playoff record for the Chiefs since 1994. 4 and 14. Well, 4 and 14. How'd they ever win four? You know the answer. It's a miracle. It's, it's a miracle. Ah, uh, yes, and the repeated excruciating kick in the nuts. We have now lost one, two, three, four, five, six in a row at home in the playoffs. 1995, the Lynn Elliott game. 
Remember that one? Number one seed. We lost 10-7 to freaking Jim Harbaugh as Elliott missed a boatload of field goals. 1997, the Elvis Gerbach game. Number one seed again. Lost 14-10 to John Elway. Only had 170 yards passing. 2003, we had the no-punt game. That was the one we lost to James uh, Peyton Manning and James Harrison, who carved us up 38-31. to No punts, but we lost as well. 2010, the Matt Castle crush game. That was in the wild card at home. Lost 30-7. to Matt Castle's line, 9 for 18, 70 yards, 3 INTs. 2013, the lucky fumble game. In Indianapolis, but still, I'm going to include it here, says Eric Kaiser. 38-10 lead, end up losing 45-44 as Jamal Charles got concussed in the first quarter, and it was downhill from there. 2015, the no-touchdowns-allowed game. We lost 18-16 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, gashed for 170 yards by Le'Veon Bell. And then in 2017, we had the forward progress Jeff Triplett farewell game in which we lost 22-21. to 21. Zabe, case closed. However, I would love to hear you and your guys' take on my misery. Enjoy the games. All the best. Eric Kaiser. That is a strong resume. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That is a really strong resume. And I had forgotten all that stuff. And yes, you can say, but ah, the Chiefs at least have one trophy. Yeah, from 69. Well, at least the Chiefs have been good for a long time. Yeah, they were under Marty, and they're now good under, you know, Reed. But the feeling of we're never, ever going to win anything has to be debilitating, has to be crushing for Chiefs fans. And that is a hell that is unique and different from the hell of, say, Browns fans or Jets fans or Redskins fans who haven't seen glory in 25 years. It's a different kind of hell. It's a hell of we're, we're, we're good, we're pretty good, but we are so definitely not going to win anything big anytime soon, either with our quarterback, who we know is just not good enough, or our head coach, who we know is just not built to win close, tough games. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of tough. Yesterday on my show on ESPN 980, I asked the boys, Solly and Scott, Scott and Solly, I said, where'd you watch the game? How did you watch the big finish with the Vikings and the Saints? Because I talked about how I watched it alone in my basement, like I usually do, because I've got no friends and I live too far out in the country for people to come over. And I still enjoyed it, and I was watching it live, and I screamed at the top of my lungs like, oh, my God, oh, oh. And so I asked Scott, I said, what'd you do? And he said, well, I was at my son's basketball game, and my fellow dad was checking the score, but I didn't watch the game, and I got home at halftime, and I started in on the DVR at Kona Silence, and the only thing that broke his cone of silence, he said, was uh, the fact that uh, someone texted him and mentioned the Vikings won. But he kind of said, but I didn't know how they won. And I said, well, that's still ruining it. Solly then said he went not just cone of silence, but he went, as I call it, North Korean nuclear bunker of silence. He didn't watch either of the Saturday games and somehow remained enough of a recluse shut-in watching TNT or movies and not checking his phone that he didn't know the outcome of the first two games on Saturday, watched them on DVR, fast-forwarding through all the commercials and all the stupid stoppages for replays in about two hours flat. He says two hours is about the envelope of a game when you fast-forward through it. And then watched the 
two other games on Sunday, again, fast-forwarding, fast-forwarding, but um, finally caught up and was out of fast-forward, so he did watch the game live. That is amazing, and I don't think for a second that Solly is making any of that up. So it got me to thinking about the whole cone of, cone of silence concept and how it used to be doable in the DVR, excuse me, the VCR age where you would set your VCR for a big event. You'd be at a wedding. I'd do this when I was in my 20s. You know, I still had some hair gleam in my eye. And I'd set my VCR for a big game or as the case would be like in the summer for a golf tournament. If I'm at a uh, wedding or somewhere, there's going to be no TVs. And of course, well before cell phones had any kind of video or even data capability. We're talking in the 90s. And you could do it. It was a lot easier to do back then. Nowadays, I mean, it's ridiculous. Apparently, though, 538.com a couple years ago had a so-called last man standing challenge in which they had a bunch of guys who agreed on the honor system to see how long they could go before they found out who won the Super Bowl. (laughs) There's no prize in it because you have to go on the honor system. But it was pretty funny to read. They had a spreadsheet of all the different ways in which their ability to stay standing ended. You know, how they, quote, died. You know, a Twitter troll was one explanation. Or overheard it on a TV at the airport. Or something else. It was pretty funny. I, I don't know if they still do this or not. And I'm not sure if there... It would be great if there was a way you could make it an actual contest. But I don't think there's any way to do that to be able to prove that you don't know something until we get mind reading. One last thing on the whole cone of silence and not knowing the outcome of games. I came across this clip from The Sopranos because I'm now just watching all The Sopranos bit by piece by piece, chunk by chunk, scene by scene, randomly from one to another on YouTube. And eventually I'll stitch them all together. It's an addictive thing. It's like eating popcorns, digital popcorn at my desk at night. And so I came across the clip in which Tony bets on the Jets. And he doesn't know the Jets have won until the next day when he groggily in that, you know, uh, flying open white bathrobe of his sits down at the counter in their house with Carmela getting a cup of coffee to read the Jets won. And he gets seethingly pissed because Carmela only let him bet $10,000 on it, not more. Take it away. I fucking damn it! What? That's good, right? No. I only bet ten. But you won. What did I say? What did I tell you? It's a short thing. You talk about this crap like it's science, Tony. I lost a lot of fucking money. You didn't lose! We could have turned your bullshit into a fucking million dollars. My bullshit? That spec house was my investment for my future. Here we go. Jenny Sack had to move in with her fucking daughter, Tony. Again with Jenny Sack, huh? John provided. She's a fucking hysteric. Never think I might know what I'm doing. You and the furniture and the clothes and the cars, you would have spent everything I made if I let you. You know what? The next time you win, I'll take a cut and I'll roll the fucking dice. You already took your cut. For the bird feeder. And don't fucking deny it again. What, 40 grand in the stock market? I'd ask for my piece, but wait, there's nothing. 
And that spec house, I made the down payment. I bought the materials. I leaned on that building inspector when you had your thumb up your ass. So stop talking about your money. Let go of me, you piece of shit. Fact is, you're a shitty businesswoman who built a piece of shit house that's gonna cave in and kill that fucking unborn baby any day. And now you can't sleep. When I'm gone, you can live in a fucking dumpster for all I care. And that fight, as uncomfortable with the language at the end, as bad as that one was, that is probably only the fourth or fifth most eyeball-peeling fight that Tony Soprano was in with a woman in the entire run of the show. In fact, it was like the third worst fight with Carmella. And then if you count the fights with Gloria and, and others in his circle, that was nothing. But it was a classic fight. All right. Time to go to Milwaukee. Are you ready? All right. All right. Joining us now on Tuesdays, as usual, from the Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, afternoon host and 12-year Brewer Beat and longtime friend of Zabe, our Midwest correspondent, Drew Olson, everybody. Hello. Good morning, Zabe. Let's bang on the drum, my man. I love it. The cheesy state theme song of Wisconsin, thanks to the Packers. You'll never shake this song. And there's a lot of versions of this song, too, I found out as I went looking for it. Are there a lot of cover band versions? Because the perfect Wisconsin combination of that song would be a polka band playing it. Uh, An authentic polka band. (laughs) <laughs> do you have polka bands in Wisconsin? Do you have fish fries in Wisconsin? Oh, you do you me? have ice rinks in Wisconsin? Oh, never mind. You have all of those things and then some. Oh, here's we have a we had a dusting. We had our snow event, our first snow event, Snowmageddon 2018. Our I heard about one. that. Yes, and it was a du- it was like three inches. Like for old guys like me, it was nothing. But it's wall to wall TV coverage and practically a run on bread and milk and toilet paper at the stores. That's you know, so funny. You but, know, but, I I made Bob Madden our friend time-lapse video him snow blowing his driveway and he did it and it's like really good and i i told him i said i just get horny for seeing a lot of work done in 30 seconds which is what time lapses are you know that you're is. like wow that's great like you're building a deck put a can put your iphone up there set it to time lapse and then when you watch it you're like yeah that went really quick uh, no, it didn't. It took all fucking day. I'm sore, too. <laughs> we have, um, it, it's a powdery snow. It's kind of a nuisance snow, but we got like three and a half, four inches maybe, right? And that's, yeah, for, that's nothing, but it's the way the culture has turned. It's a big deal on TV and they, oh, it's coming, it's coming. And everybody kind of freaks out and then you realize it's not that big a deal. But I have a 17-year-old daughter who drives my hand-me-down SUV tank to her school every day. Okay. And I got a text from her this morning as she went to school. Now, we tell her on days like today when it's been snowing overnight and stuff, give yourself extra time to get to school, right? You don't want to be rushing. You're going to be driving Teenagers slower. with extra time. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that, that does not go together. I don't know a single She's generally pretty responsible, but in this case, no, she left at the moment. And then she gets to school, and I get a text that said, there's something wrong with my tires. Every time I turn, I slide and lose control of steering. Oh, Jesus, God. To which I say, we live in fucking Wisconsin. Yeah. Is she, uh, was she in four-wheel drive? Um, I, I'm not sure. She was. Um, <laughs> is it an actual four wheel drive yeah, SUV? It, yeah. What what kind of SUV it's, is it? It's an old Acura MDX. Okay. 
And you know, she, you know, they made Acura MDXs that are front wheel drive only. You know that. Yeah, they did. But this is and, not one of them. Okay. But this is like it's kind of on demandish. But it's wow. Well, see now, do you see. know the difference between all wheel drive and yes, four wheel drive? I do. Yeah. And do you know the difference between on demand all wheel drive and four wheel drive? Correct. Like, there's. I, I had to find this out because I was. Trying I used to, to have a car where I had to go lock the hubs to do all that shit. You know. <laughs> oh right, to get out and actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. say, okay, we're going into four wheel drive mode <laughs> right. right now. Yeah, I had the hardest time trying to, you know, do research on which SUVs had the best actual four-wheel drive and not just the so-called, you know, adaptive stuff. Yeah. And the, the car makers like to hide it from you. They like to use a lot of bunch of mumbo-jumbo. But unless it's true four-by-four, four-wheel drive... You're really not getting the best you should no, get in weather. But. You're really not. And any any SUV, people think that they have these SUVs, and but they slide around like everybody else. And what I told her is, you know, we live in Wisconsin, and I said, just drive slowly and pump the brakes, don't lock them. Now, this is her second winter as a driver, but we didn't get a lot of snow last year. Yep. But it's pump the brakes, don't lock them up, and you're going to slide around. And the tires are relatively new, so it's not the tires. It's human error here. Yeah. And then came the, the next text, like, well, I drove into a snowbank. I'm like, are you at school? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. It's like, oh. all right, then. Just do better. <laughs> do <laughs> Get better. better. <laughs> Get off the snowbank and do better next time. Yeah, do better. And it's it's a thing that where I should take her to Miller Park, which is empty now, getting ready for Brewers baseball in April. And but practice. Practice donuts. Slide and practice evasion. sliding around. Absolutely. Exactly. I might have to do that. Just get her there somewhere and just let her. And it is fun, and you carve it up. And I think it's probably technically something that the cops would pull you over for. If a cop sees you, yeah. they might come and say, what are you doing? But we're practicing. It's like legit. That's when you use the Jedi mind trick, and you just wave your hand and say, this is not the teenage driver you're looking for. And they'll yeah. say, oh, oh, this is not the team. I, I've got to go bust somebody else in another part of Milwaukee. All right, let's get down to business Let's get here. to it. Let's get to it. All right, this is driving me beyond fucking crazy that I'm having to do this right now with Redskin fans. And I want your input as a guy who has covered sports and covered teams and understands the way things work to help me get off of crazy and find some solace in somebody who understands what I'm talking about. Now, it'll break my heart if you agree with these morons, but we'll just see what you have to say. Basically, because we've got a Final Four that has three scrub quarterbacks, there are Redskin fans, Drew, saying, oh, see, why are we spending all this money on Kirk? You don't have to in the league. And I'm slapping my forehead saying, so what you're saying is something unusual has happened once. Therefore, it is the new truth. And the new light and the new way. And I'm going to forget everything else I knew in life and follow this new way. It's so unbelievably maddening. Your thoughts? That's the, uh, it's the Trent Dilfer pr- principle. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. You can win a Super Bowl with any bag of donuts, right? But it's an inside straight. This is like it, the poker analogy is, okay, poker, you got a pair of 10s. Like with Kirk and the Redskins, you got a pair of 10s. Well, you're not going to win anything with him. First of all, they, they're probably not even winning any hands right now, but that's just because the cards are not in our favor. It's not that a pair of 10s is not a good starting point or Kirk is not a good starting point. People are saying, no, trade those two 10s in. Let's hit the three, four, five, six, seven, eight of clubs because that's the way to play this game. Here, God, here's what you say. People. Here's what you say, Zabe. You say, all right, imagine that instead of Sunday, um, Sunday, 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 imagine that the – NFC and AFC championship games were a month down the road. And you said, 
to Jacksonville, and uh, you said to Minnesota, and you said to Philadelphia, we know you like your team and everything, but fuck that. We're giving you Aaron Rodgers in a month to get ready for the championship game. How do you feel about that? Would you would you make that deal? Of course, oh, but you we can would. win. We like our guy. We want to win yeah. with our guy. We're going to win with our defense and our running game. Oh, it's Screw so that. it's so mad. Quarterback is everything. It's the only thing. And I don't give a shit what these three teams have done in a fluky year where Rodgers was hurt and exactly and Roethlisberger lost. And it just no, right. it, that's not the that's not how it works. How about this? Let's say that uh, the Chiefs did not choke against the uh, – uh, let's say that the playoffs worked out differently and instead the Jaguars got fed right to the to the Vic- or they got fed right to the Patriots in the first game and they got knocked out right away. Let's say that happened. Then are you going to say, oh, you know, they're doing it right with the way they're building because yeah. Blake Bortles is good enough? You might say, oh, my God, Blake Bortles is still not good enough. Other teams have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. We need to step up our game. This doesn't work. But because yeah. they're in the championship game now, people are saying this is the new model. I understand. Yeah, I, I get your frustration. And, and I know you're kind of on an island. You're on Kirk Cousins Island by yourself. I'm not on an island. There's people here. We're the mainland. It's the island that keeps yelling at us from the island of never Kirkers. That are like, and here's the thing. They're changing <laughs> their logic, Kirkers. Drew. They're changing their logic. The old and busted logic is Kirk Cousins is not elite enough. He's not good enough. We're not going to win anything with him. We need to do better. We need to get a real franchise quarterback. The new hotness is, oh, we don't need any good quarterback. We'll just get some scrub like Case Keenum. So, wait, what is it? Kirk's not good enough, or we don't even need anybody decent? Pick pick your poison, make up your mind, and leave me alone, for God's yeah, sake. Just pay the man his money. It's not your money. What do you give a shit how much he makes? Well, that's the thing. Everyone's Everyone, I've always said this, everyone loves to be the smartest football guy in the room. And what allows fans to think they're so smart being the world's greatest capologist because they will then go ah, I'd, I'd get uh, Tyrone Smith for uh, five million a year and I'd be doing much better and have money left over for uh, you know uh, Jimmy uh, Sipanovich at safety or something like <laughs> yeah, that and they show on. how smart they are because look I'm an armchair if, capologist it's if, ridiculous in the modern NFL if your quarterback's not your highest player highest paid player you probably You're doing have it a wrong team you're doing you it wrong or you're getting team. lucky. You're getting lucky yeah. like the Vikings are. The Vikings, uh, they had a stat that Case Keenum, I think, had like a 5.6 passer rating on downs he was pressured, and that's not good. No. And he looked overwhelmed at one point in that game, and I'm thinking they're hanging on by a thread. And if the, the Eagles, who love to pressure, that, can score 20 points on Sunday against that Vikings defense, I think they got every chance in the world to I win. Think, I absolutely. I would actually say that they're – in my book, I would I would bet the Eagles. I think they're going to win that game straight up. Really? Of course, that's your that's your Packer fandom no, Viking no. hatred. No, not through. even. It's just that uh, the, the Vikings, um, the, the the refractory period for the Vikings after that porn star orgasm they had on Sunday is more than seven days. <laughs> You're right. Unless they are James Dean, and they're going to be hard to to come again this quickly. <laughs> Hell yes! And and the, not only that, um, like you said, I mean, the Eagles. The Falcons are a better offense, perhaps, than Minnesota or comparable. Julio Jones. They have better. They have better pieces, but yeah. they have not operated that hot because of Sarkeesian. They haven't, but they scored ten the, points. I mean, and the Eagles' defense is good enough to hold that uh, Vikings' offense in check. So it's a matter of can Nick Foles, can they win with you know fourteen or seventeen? Yeah. Can they do that? A moment, everybody, to uh, congratulate Drew for being the first guy to use refractory. <laughs> 
period, <laughs> on the Zabecast. That is a new one there. And yes! that's why Yes. And that's why this podcast does have the explicit warning label on it, which some people said like I got a screen cap on Twitter where someone is trying to download the Zabecast on iTunes Ding and Google Play Ding and all these other places and and he said, uh, what's this, Zabe? My administrator it says, Your administrator has blocked this material due to explicit content. And I'm like, hey, man, take that up with your administrator. I'm not your administrator. Yeah. I think it's a setting in your phone in which on iTunes you can set, like, your parental, yeah, parental controls. parental controls, yeah. So I can't download NWA? Apparently not. Oh, and come you on. can't download this podcast because there's a fleeting <laughs> F-bomb here or there and some adult themes like coming and refractory period. Okay, as compared <laughs> to football. Uh, it reminds me of other one-time exceptions in sports. Like, remember that one time an NBA team won the title without any stars? It was the Pistons when they beat the star-studded Lakers. They had, what, Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace oh, and, yeah. like, a bunch of dudes. And nobody then said, well, let's go get rid of our stars because the Pistons did it. It was just that trick that almost proved the rule. You know what I'm saying? I don't think anyone's won an NBA title since having a star. No. At no. least and one star, if not two or three now. You know, we're, we're two ice-covered sidewalk steps away from getting into the uh, Eli Manning thing because <laughs> you mentioned elite, and you can't say elite without talking about E-L-I, and what about Super Bowls? And well, my whole thing is that he's grossly overrated because he got lucky twice. And preaching to the choir. And I, I hate to say to it, choir. in the state that I'm from, it's horrible. But I once, and I could probably get excommunicated for saying this, but I once called him the Andy North of pro football. He is. He is. His lifetime numbers are pedestrian. Yes, and in the but he won two Not years and he was They're clutch. Good. He was clutch, Drew. And I'm like, They're yes, good. too bad yeah. he wasn't clutch any other time in his career because outside of the two years that they won the Super Bowl, he's never won a playoff game. That's not good. The difference between him and Joe Flacco is his daddy and his lineage. And his, and his brother. It. Yeah, you're right. And they so both I, I get into that a lot. But they have the two rings. Actually, no, and, no uh, Flacco has one. Dilfer yeah, has the yeah. other. Dilfer has the other. Ravens you, I get what you're saying. Okay. No, they're the same. It's the same deal. All right. How about other one-time exceptions in sports that prove the rule that are inside straights, basically? Remember the time the Rockies got hot as shit and then blasted their way into the World Series and then promptly lost? Yeah. And they were like 500 at the break, and they got really, really hot. Oh, they won like 25 out of 30 or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. No one said, oh, they, they're they a team on the rock. I don't think we've heard from the Rockies since, have we? No. Yeah. No. Any and, other and examples of, uh, yeah, remember that one time this happened, that kind of the exception well, that proves there are the those, rule? There are those, um, the, the fireworks that kind of go up and then phew, and then fizzle like okay the royals right like they had their couple years and, sure and oh that's the way and it, yeah those are the windows and we deal with that in small market milwaukee with the the brewers a little bit where you have you, you better time your window and they went and got granky they had sabathia they had their window when they had braun fielder and those guys and could afford them all and then they couldn't so you your have to window, time it right the, the brewers window was open and closed so fast it was like a shutter on oh, a yeah. it DSLR. was like from it was 07 <laughs> to it was 07 to like 12 or something yeah. or, you know or 7 to but 13 years after last year Drew you guys yeah. are working they're hard to fire it back up and that's what you got to do open. that's they're, they're they're currently coming out of their refractory period Zabe <laughs> two for one on that one <laughs> exactly all right can you as we change gears here can you explain the Vikings Packers rivalry from a fan standpoint to those that are not from the Midwest to understand well, this the Viking Packer rivalry is almost as bitter as Bears Packers. In it some definitely ways. is. Yeah, there's there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of venom. 
but it's been lying dormant a little bit because the Vikings were irrelevant for a number of years after Favre left. I mean, it's always going to be there because of Favre, and there's always going to be that history and the heated games and that Ragnar and that horn. And um, oh. who was Chris, Chris Hovan, the guy who used to get in Favre's face all the time, and Randall. With the face paint. Yeah, they used yeah. to have their guys, and there were some, there's some really heated games. But for a while, it's been, it's been a while since both teams were good. Which is what it takes. Now the Bears thing will always be uh, uh, simmering, and it's always there, but it's it's not as sweet when you know one team sucks and the other team's good. That's what we've had for the last you know ten ten years or so. Does Minnesota, as a state, look down on Wisconsin, as a state? Is there in, in a the little cities, bit of that? Maybe in, in the in the in the cities, maybe, but it, it's more. Is it's Minneapolis nowhere near Saint the venom Paul, between Illinois, Wisconsin, Chicago, is, Wisconsin. You say Chicago to people here, and they'll get pissed. You say Twin Cities. Oh, I like going up there for the Mall of America. I like it. You know, it's a nice <laughs> trip. It's, it's, I like going up there for the mall. It's, it's Minnesota, nice. It's it's more us against Chicago. Chicago is seen as the big brother, and you know, okay, is more hated. But in terms of the teams, it depends on how the, they're playing, and. At this point right now, people hate the Vikings, and they'll say, oh, we hate the Vikings as much as the Bears. No, you fucking don't. Who's You're lying ho- to yourself. Whose hockey is better, Minnesota's or Wisconsin's? Because um, there's a lot of great hockey players. It, it's much bigger in Minnesota. I mean, it's hockey is still like a it, – it's not a it's uh, not a going concern. Population-wise, Minnesota as a state has you, have, has you guys in Wisconsin by what? Another 30% bigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the, the And Minneapolis-St. Yeah. Paul is a much bigger market than much Milwaukee. Much bigger than Milwaukee, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. And, and and I think a lot of the, uh, the the friction there, as I've seen just from my years with Bob and Brian and being up there, is that, you know, they're, the, the douchey dude bro fanboys of the Vikings clash with the douchey dude bro fanboys of the Packers and the Cheeseheads much more than, say, Bears – and Packer fans like there is a real like grinding of like when a when a Packer fan up there sees purple they're like Ugh. yeah and it's it, it's whichever team is better at that time and where where the more it's the recency effect but True. the Bears thing will always be we hate them they come up here and they they spend the summers up here you go to Lake Geneva or Door County where there's a bunch of Illinois people that take over in the summer and people fucking hate them yeah and Minnesota people don't have that impact and also there's the fact that. Green Bay and the Packers are title town. And you have how many Lombardi trophies gleaming in your case? Well, that would be four. And and 13 world titles, right? And I mean, Right. Four Lombardis and 13 world titles total. And how many do the Minnesota Vikings have? None for the thumb. <laughs> Zero. That's the saying here is That's none for the thumb. None for the thumb. But maybe this is their year, though, Drew. You got to oh. – as a sports fan, you understand that destiny dust is real. And it cannot be ignored. And they seem to be glittered in it right now after that game on Sunday. I do. And it's um, that was their moment. If and that's their highlight. What was the play? It was Buffalo Seven Heaven or Buffalo. You mean the the, uh, uh, miracle? The yeah, the miracle in Minnesota was the Music City miracle. It was Buffalo Right Seven Heaven. I think was the play call. It was. Yeah. Didn't you see that? Oh yeah, Mike Silver wrote that that column. Yeah, the name of the play call was like Buffalo Right Seven Heaven is going to be their rally and cry it's no, gonna be painted in, in man caves and yeah that picture of Diggs will be everywhere yeah that that but that that's their moment and that's the the documentary and hey man more power to them i know that a lot of fans here would love to see them lose in just the most horrific fashion now that they've had their victory they've had their moment now they can go and get their their nuts crushed on a missed field goal and be, go back to being the vikings wow and and you as a packer fan will not you promise not to rub it in right
Oh, of course not. No. I mean, we're, we're just here not in the playoffs. It's 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 so surreal here that the Packers were exited so fast that it's surreal. Speaking of Packer news, Aaron Rodgers, it's confirmed now, dating Danica Patrick. Your thoughts, Drew? We've had an internal uh, dialogue here in the studio. My producer of my daily show, Armin, is disappointed. She's not worthy of being Wisconsin's first lady. He doesn't think she's hot enough or up to the standard <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers should be pulling. A little old, too, right? She's a little older than him. I she's still think 40, she's a smoke she? show. She's I 35, like... 36, 35, oh, really? 36. Okay, He's I'll like look... 34. Okay. But he, but shouldn't he be 10 years – shouldn't he be punching 10 years down as yeah. a super alpha stud, good-looking athlete? And, okay, here's the thing. We talked about this. He has to have somebody famous because when, when you roll in his circles, you got to have somebody who can that deal can... with that. And deal with that. Punches on your class. Yeah, he's not going to date some hygienist. She is thirty-five. Who does triathlons, right? It has to be somebody who's been through that pressure cooker because that's you know first what, of all, that's the circle you move in. You know what though? I I too think Danica is hot, and I and I like her. I like her style, even though she gets a bit stompy and pouty when she doesn't have she's, things work out on the race track. She's out of that now. She's spunky. Okay, I know. now uh, yes, she's follow know. her on Instagram. You've, have you checked her oh, Instagram smoke account? Show. Oh, it's smoke good. Show. Her her book too about how to stay in shape and all that competitive. She's oh, now changed oh, you're her reading allegiance that now, from Drew? A, a, Are you oh, following uh, the Danica Patrick it's the law. life? <laughs> it's the law. Um, but no, she's gonna she's disavowed her Bears allegiance now. Says she'll cheer for the Packers. Um, I do love know. a brown eyed girl. There's no question about it. Yeah, she's, she's lovely, and it's. Uh, I keep hearing, well, she's not hot by the surreal. Okay, my my uh, producer called her the Campbell soup of like hot soups. <laughs> like she's just like average and just acceptable, but not like to <laughs> die Campbell for hot. Soup of hot. That's <laughs> funny. You know, now that I look at her, she's got a little hybrid of Megan Kelly, who I love, younger by about ten years, and a dash of maybe um, Angie Harmon. Perhaps. Oh, I like, yeah, that's true. I can see that. Super Not that, fit. Well, super well, then fit what about well. Olivia Munn? And, I think and is yes, older. And yes, Olivia Munn, uh, a little bit of that dark he, eyed. He clearly might have a type like well. A-Rod. A-Rod likes those kind of Amazonian women, you know, blonde Drew, bodybuilder don't, types. Don't, don't we all have types? Yeah, I think he's. I think Aaron might be developing a type. That I don't he know likes. about you, but my peony just went. Oh. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on. I'm on Danica's Instagram account now, and holy crap. She yeah. does. She loves, does look good in every regard. However, you said you know hy- dental hygienist. I yeah. bet you could find a dental hygienist who is every bit as hot as Danica Patrick. No question. And is in shape. And you're like, wow, she's a really good looking middle aged woman. Wait, no is 35 middle aged? Um, What's 35 called? Is it young? 35 is well, not young. It depends. If you if you subscribe to the theory that women aren't worth a plug nickel unless they look 25 and younger. <laughs> That she might be. That's a theory. <laughs> Some people would hold that. Yes. You've been around ball players too much, man. Ball have, players I mean, are completely unrealistic about everything. But yeah. But Aaron's slow playing it in the Jeter way, which I give him props for because um, the saying around baseball clubhouses is don't even think about getting engaged till your second time through arbitration. Wow. Right? So that's <laughs> yes. the thing. Because you don't want to be. <laughs> All right. I want to be hauling around your A-ball wife. One more before we play an exciting new segment called FTG. I'll explain it in just a second. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you, Drew, are you as done as I am with win probabilities? You know that after an amazing game or a finish, 
Somebody trots out from the Nerd Lab on Twitter. Uh, according to ESPN Stats and Info, uh, the Chiefs had a 97.2% chance of winning with four and a half minutes left in the game, and they lost. I am done with this bullshit. Of course, any amazing outcome in which a comeback or a miracle play wins the game is going to have preceding it a very high percentage of win probability. I'm done with it. Your thoughts? Uh, reminds me of my trip on a cruise. I was with my buddy Johnny Vegas. We were getting our balls blown off on a crappy cruise ship c- casino at the blackjack table. <laughs> and after about 45 hours of just progressively getting more pissed, we kind of had an all-in hand. And uh, we both were sitting with 20s and watched a, a, a female dealer who was about four feet tall of Polynesian descent pull seven cards to a 21. And shove it, to, <laughs> shove it up our ass. That's win probability for you. Yeah, my yeah. boy Johnny Vegas almost flipped over the table as we left and exited. He took his beer bottle, a Miller Lite, spiked it into a garbage can, made people think there was an explosion in the chip. A four-foot Polynesian dealer. It was really bad. Uh, a, a sweet woman named Ming or uh, yeah, Chong that's... or something like that. Seven, two, one, eight. She was smiling three. while she did it, and my boy—I thought my boy was going to flip the table. Hey, it was only a seven-card backdoor twenty-one. Oh yeah, I've seen the eight-card ones before, oh. and those are a sight to be old. Oh man, I can't even imagine having lived through the seven. So let me get this straight, and maybe I should uh, investigate more because I'm sure some numbers nerds are going to say, well, you don't like it because you suck at math, Dave. That's well established. You even admitted if you just knew a little bit about math and statistics, you'd appreciate the uh, virtues of win probabilities. Okay, fine. I guess they're taking, what, a database of previous games in which Team A was uh, leading Team B in Sport X with Y number of minutes and seconds left. And they just they they data mine that, and they pull it all out and go. Well, historically, this is what percentage of the time that team wins. Is that how they do win? I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you know um, that has to be right because the, otherwise, the you guys like Nate Silver from Five Thirty Eight. Like he, he got to start at Baseball Prospectus. I met him and his guys, you know, a decade ago at the winter meetings when they were, you know, kind of trying to get established. And they were doing this kind of stuff, and they were mining that data, and it's transformed sports, no doubt. And like they had at five thirty-eight, they they've been uncanny with elections. They had Trump like thirty percent to win or thirty-five percent to win, and you think that's better chance than the Vikings had, right? <laughs> you know, right. compared to the Vikings at that point, you know, who were ninety-six percent to lose that game. But win probabilities—they're all backwards looking, aren't they? Because, like, when you say, like, for example, if the Packers with Aaron Rodgers are down eight with 38 seconds to go at their own 35. That win probability might be 50-50 because he's that fucking good. If you have any other quarterback, then the win probability might be 2%. That's true. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not oh, sure yeah. that actual win probs that are quoted account for, well, who's actually in charge of winning the game. But I don't know. You know what? You numbers nerds out there, help educate me. Oh, my God. There's a picture of Danica with Hannah, Hannah Storm. God, it's like mother-daughter. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Hannah's not that old. It'd be like older sister uh, or aunt. Okay. Aunt, yeah, maybe. Aunt, aunt Hannah, because I'm a huge Hannah Storm well, actually, fan as well. Well, actually, technically, it probably could be. But it would be like a very <laughs> just out of high school mother-daughter. Okay. We're going to play a new game here, Drew. And Love I hope, it. 
I hope you're up for it. It's called FTG, otherwise known quite simply as Fuck That Guy. <laughs> I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, the rules are simple. Just pick one guy in the world, anywhere. Sports, entertainment, just a random dude in line in front of you at the grocery store. Anyone who deserves to get the old FTG. Fuck that guy. Drew, who do you got this week? All right, I got one this week, and it's topical based on last night. After uh, Martin Luther King Day, when there were 21 technicals and five ejections in the NBA um, in a show of peace. Yes. (laughs) By the way, a buddy of mine who uh, travels, he's in the Bucks traveling party, uh, told me that the uh, NBA matinee is the... NBA, it's the NBA equivalent of the NFL Thursday night game, that they shouldn't ask these guys to play matinees. Well, maybe they should color rush that game. Yeah. Matinee, oh, co- matinee color rush in the NBA. Okay, go ahead. But my fuck that guy is going to be Chris Paul. <laughs> yes. Because I'm told by people, and I have a buddy who's a big Clippers fan, and how awesome he is, and Hall of Fame, and one of the best ever. What's he ever fucking won? And Nothing. When you see him act like he did last night, the fake tough guy of, like, go, let's take him in a back tunnel and get in that locker room. Right. Ocean's 11. Way to yeah. go, Danny Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Leading them to and a fake fight in the locker room. This was his much-awaited homecoming. They played a tribute to him at, in, on the video screen, which I don't think the Clippers necessarily liked. And they lost. They and, lost. Yeah. Which is great. And they're and ripping so, Blake Griffin's shorts off, and they're getting into it with the coaches. So and for Chris that's Paul, pretty much summed up his career, though. Here he is, like, and he's the, people who've played with him said he's hard to play with, and he's a he's a bitcher and a backstabber, and uh, he, he's the kind of guy. He's exactly the kind of guy that would then lose the game and then go try to start a fight. So, in honor of Chris Paul, Drew, fuck that guy. Yeah. Ooh. I really hate Boy, that posted up really nice, didn't it? It was totally it was random pretty as good. well. It was All right, my FTG for today, my fuck that guy goes to one. Teddy Valentine, longtime peacocking Big Ten college basketball referee. This happened a while ago, but I never got to it. He turned his back on Joel Berry of North Carolina, who was being held on a outlet pass, and he tried to say, hey, man, I got held. You see that? And Ted Valentine turns his back and folds his arm like some drama queen, and it was like, you got to be kidding me. Ted Valentine has been doing shit like this for years in college basketball, and and he then claimed victim status by basically saying, "I'm thinking about retiring after this. I don't I don't want all this attention. I was trying to defuse the situation." Hey, Ted Valentine, fuck that guy. Love it. All right, any we, closing thoughts today? We got to dive Drew? into that because it's funny because the the Big Ten the referees are getting to be rock stars and in basketball you had Ed Ed Hightower and you have these guys that Hightower was every, good every Don't fucking dis- game no I like it Hightower was good Don't besmirch him I, I won't I liked him but there are there's like a handful of refs and maybe even Gene Steratore because he's recognizable. But there's a handful of refs who seem to work every game and they'll be working in Kansas one night and then Hawaii the next night and then Durham North Carolina the next night. And it's like, why don't we have more and better referees? But that's yeah, that's interesting. With, with the the calls in that we've seen in the NFL, the calls now in the NBA, I, I would say we got to dive into who has the best officiating because as much as it takes slings and arrows, Zabe, I think baseball umpires are, might have the best batting average of anybody out there. Uh, 
interesting. Nats People... fans, Nats fans recalling this year's Game Five at home uh, against. Oh shit! Who do we lose to this year again? I forget. Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, there were some horseshit calls in that game, and all the Kings replay machines couldn't fix them. In fact, replay fucked us on a off-the-base play at first with our stupid backup catcher. We thought he was going to steal behind a runner at second base uh, in a two-run game in the uh, seventh inning. Yeah, that's painful. All right, Drew. I'm just batting average. Just the way that the officials. Okay, yeah, we can talk about the best and worst officials in each sport coming up next week. As always, follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Olson MKE. And listen to a show on the Big 920 in Milwaukee every day from... From, uh, well, 1 to 3 in Milwaukee, noon to 3 in Madison. If you have the iHeartRadio app, you can listen to the whole damn thing. Very good. Don't work. Bang your drum all day and bang Drew on Big 920. Thank you, Drew. I can't wait. This is my refractory period for the next Zabecast. Refract. Refract, my friend. We'll send you out today with this from the world of hashtags. Hashtag me too. Recently, it was funny because Floyd Mayweather was apparently oblivious to the whole hashtag MeToo movement and instead was bragging about some expensive new car he had. And, you know, people sum it up the usual outline or online outrage about this. And I'm just laughing, thinking like <laughs> Floyd Mayweather does not care. Like he doesn't know. He doesn't care. You are completely wasting your time. That said, all along, sensible people. Mostly men, but also some women have said, hey, hey, whoa, we got to kind of slow down a bit on this hashtag me too, because there is a difference between rape and sexual assault and sexual harassment at work and sexual misconduct. And then there's sexually inappropriate behavior. And then there's all different variants of things that you might say, well, I didn't like that. That was creepy. Doesn't arise to a crime. And if you're not in an actual workplace environment what are you actually saying there but at the height of the me too movement you know three months ago i guess has it been three months maybe less than three months you know you would have been shouted down as a lunatic and a heretic and burn him at the stake if you were to dare to say whoa this is kind of getting out of control well i'm going to play you some audio today from a prominent female television personality who is pushed back against the latest incident of hashtag me too and that involves comedian Aziz Ansari and Aziz Ansari recently won a uh, he won a award an Emmy something like that for I think his TV comedy series I think it's called Last Man Standing ironically enough and uh, he had recently won an award and apparently a young woman she was like 23 he was like 35 so it wasn't completely out of you know the context went on a date with him and went back to his apartment in Manhattan and things got sideways. And she talked about this in an interview with a website called babe.net. I've never heard of that website. Anyway, she writes, and, and sorry, wanted to have sex. She said she remembers him asking again and again, where do you want me to fuck you now? While she was still seated on the countertop, she says she found the question tough to answer because she said she didn't want to fuck him at all. I wasn't even really thinking of that. I didn't want to be engaged in that with him, she said, but, I, but he kept asking, so I said, next time. And he goes, oh, you mean the second date? And I go, oh, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, if I poured you another glass of wine now, would it count as our second date? He then poured her a glass and handed it to her. She excused herself to the bathroom soon after. 
Grace, not her real name, says she spent around five minutes in the bathroom collecting herself in the mirror and splashing herself with water. She then said firmly and, and, and calmly to Ansees Asari, you know, I think you've misunderstood my intentions. I enjoyed our date. I think you're extremely talented, but I'm not interested in a relationship, and so I'm going to go home now. Oh, no, wait. She didn't say that. <laughs> Just kidding. She then stayed and went back to Ansari. He asked her if she was okay, and she said, I didn't want to feel forced because then I'll hate you, and I'd rather not hate you. I guess this proceeded then on. He was trying to keep going and get after it and take it, you know, try to press it up on the base paths, so to speak, for the next 10, 15 minutes before she left. And the next day said, you know, I didn't feel really good about that. I didn't feel comfortable about that. And I guess Ansari said, yeah, I'm, well, I'm sorry about that. I just, you know, I, I thought maybe, you know, something was going to happen or something to that effect. Now, Aziz Ansari has been taken off of his recently award-winning show, and his career, if not ruined, certainly has been driven into the ditch. Now we say, take a listen to one Ashley Banfield. Used to be on CNN. I pulled this clip, and I didn't even look at what TV outlet she is on right now. I'm not sure it really matters. I've always been a fan of her look, by the way. Hashtag me too, you sexist pig. I know, I'm just saying. Great journalist, by the way. Here's what... Uh, Ashley Banfield had to say about this whole incident. Dear Grace, not your real name. I'm sorry that you had a bad date. I have had a few myself. They stink. I am sure it must be really weighing on you. Um, it's hard being a victim. Very painful. Just ask anyone who's been on that end of crime and justice. I cover them every day. It's no picnic. But let's take a moment to reflect on what you claim was the worst night of your life, end quote. You had a bad date. Your date got overly amorous. After protesting his moves, you did not get up and leave right away. You continued to engage in the sexual encounter. By your own clear description, this was not a rape, nor was it a sexual assault. By your description, your sexual encounter was unpleasant. It did not send you to the police. It did not affect your workplace or your ability to get a job. So I have to ask you, what exactly was your beef? That you had a bad date with Aziz Ansari. Is that what victimized you to the point of seeking a public conviction and a career-ending sentence against him? Is that truly what you thought he deserved for your night out? Let me be completely clear. If you were sexually assaulted, you should go to the police right now. If you were sexually harassed, and your bad date because of his actions mitigated your ability to do your job, you should definitely speak up and loud. Because that's happened to me too, and it stinks. But if you just had an unpleasant sexual experience, you should have gone home. Maybe just go ahead, tell your friends to avoid this guy, he's gross. Go ahead, tell the date himself he's gross, that he is not the lover that he thinks he is. And without question, don't go on a second date with him. Certainly do not marry a guy like that. But what you have done, in my opinion, is appalling. You went to the press with the story of a bad date, and you have potentially destroyed this man's career over it right after he received an award for which he was worthy. And now here is where I am going to claim victim. You have chiseled away at a movement that I, 
along with all of my sisters in the workplace, have been dreaming of for decades. A movement that has finally changed an oversexed professional environment that I, too, have struggled through at times over the last 30 years in broadcast. Wow. And with that, you got to applaud her. You got to applaud her. There, honestly, there can't be much more truth packed into what she had just said there. That while there are lots of gray areas, and you know, it's now time in which women have been empowered to be able to say, no, no, this is not my intention, and this is a definite no. And if you know, if you want to eventually have a sexual relationship, then we're gonna have to date for a while because I'm that kind of a gal. I'm an old-fashioned kind of a gal. It is now much more on the women to be upfront and direct and clear and unequivocal as to what's going on because Aziz Ansari is probably, even though he's rich and famous and funny, he's just a fucking nerd with no game. And so he was in that situation thinking, okay, you know what? Uh, maybe this will turn in my favor here. But Ashley Banfield, I wonder what, her, wonder what the reaction to her is going to be. I'm sure she's going to catch a mountain of shit. From women that say, you still don't get it. You don't get it. You'll never get it. How dare you say that? Stay tuned, I'm sure, for more. And that will do it today on the Zabecast. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please subscribe on iTunes. It is submitted to Google Play. They're sitting on their asses at Google, and they haven't approved it yet, but it will be shortly. There's lots of other ways around it. All your favorite podcast places. And, of course, tell two friends, please. I really appreciate it. You can reach me at Zabe at Yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter at Zabe and, of course, Zabe.com, my website for even more content from me and archives of these shows on SoundCloud and more. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have yourself a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time.